Nation, Rob McGregor, welcome you to a place where all kinds of phenomena flourish. Voices whisper, ancient secrets, signs and symbols are abundant. UFOs, ETs, ghosts, and even the dead move about freely. Here we meet authors, researchers, and investigators of the mysterious, the strange, and of the inexplicable anomalies that surround us. Step out of the everyday world and take a journey into the mystical underground. Welcome to the Mystical Underground. Thank you for joining us. This is Rob McGregor. And Trish McGregor. And our tech magician, John Posey. You can go to our website, phenomena111.com, to find out about our nonfiction books, including the most recent one, Phenomena, Harnessing Your Psychic Abilities. And you can visit our blog at blog.synchrosecrets.com, where we make regular posts. Yannick Silver has been called a cosmic catalyst a maverick mischief maker, and a galactic goofball. He redefines how business is played in the 21st century at the intersection of more profits, more fun, and more impact. Yannick is the creator of Cosmic Journal, author of Evolved Enterprises, and the founder of Maverick 1000, a global network of top entrepreneurs and visionary entrepreneurs making serious differences in the world without taking themselves too seriously. In fact, it's not unusual to find him dressed as a lemur, a showgirl, or even a matching mermaid tails with Sir Richard Branson. We have some questions about that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This group periodically assembles for breakthrough retreats, rejuvenating experiences, and impact opportunities, to date raising over $3 plus with participating icons like Sir Richard Branson, Sarah Blakely, Tony Hawk, Chris Blackwell, and John Paul DeJoria. and Tim Ferriss, and many others. <laughs> Yannick served on the Constellation Board for Virgin Unite, the Entrepreneurial Foundation of the Virgin Group, and the Branson family. And his lifetime goal is to connect visionary leaders and game changers to catalyze business models and new ideas for solving 100 of the world's most impactful issues by the year 2100. Your, your bio is really long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> a short version. <laughs> well, let me get to the real, the more interesting material, as you put it. He won the Oscar Mayer Wiener Ice Hockey Shootout Championship twice as a kid. His men's league team still yells Oscar Mayer when he infrequently gets a breakaway. He dressed as a showgirl in Vegas to surprise Sir Richard Branson on stage before a keynote in front of 3,000-plus people. He broke 200 miles per hour in a race car with nothing more than a green Speedo on. And hopefully a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> he was the... Uh, fourth grade grade lead for the 10 woodsmen in the wizard of oz and that was the start and the end of his promising theater career though he can still say most of his solo on demand his birthday is 925 and inside sterling silver you will often see the number dot nine two five he snuck out at the age of five to buy markers with his hanukkah money only to catch the wrong bus home and end up at the police station undoubted undaunted his love of doodling still continues to this day Okay, in 2019, Yannick sent Robin me a copy of the Cosmic Journal, which was illustrated, which Yannick actually writ, wrote and illustrated and was published by Hay House. It's one of the most unusual books I've ever had the pleasure of owning. In his opening, Yannick calls it your galactic instruction manual you were missing at birth to remember who you are and what the heck you're doing here at this time. Welcome, Yannick. <laughs> uh, thanks, Trish. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate yeah. it. And the, the Cosmic Journal is fascinating because it's written in hand. I mean, you, yeah. don't, you don't see many books that are handwritten anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, was, uh, it, it was like one of the most interesting projects that has ever uh, really shown up in my world. And, and the most fun and the most inflow. So it was, it was really, really cool to, to have it get out there. Did you know you were writing a book when you started that, uh, those journals? or? Not really. You know, I, I, you know, like maybe way, way, way back in the mind, my mind, I was like, well, maybe I'll publish some parts of it or, but it wasn't really for that. And it was really written for myself. And so I, I had a challenge that I saw online. That was a hundred day art challenge. And I thought, you know, that would be a lot for you creating <laughs> art every single day. And and then, so I'm, I'm, I'm a big journaler for years and years I've journaled. And so in my journal, I kind of worked out like, you know, what would happen if I did it? Because I travel around a lot. And so it was, it was like, okay, well, 
I, I feel like a byproduct of this would be would be something really interesting. And and instead of a hundred, I did a hundred eight days because that has a a more um, you know I, I follow some of the wisdom traditions, and a hundred eight has much more meaning there. So I I literally mm-hmm. created a hundred eight check boxes, and literally every single night, two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning, <laughs> I I wrote one of these pages. Hmm. Okay. Are you a yoga practitioner? I am a yoga practitioner. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, the 108 uh, beads, prayer beads in the uh, right mala. And and do you know, 108 is really fascinating. I don't don't even probably know all of it, but 108, it's something like uh, 108, um, like like moon lengths from from the earth to the moon, and then 108 earth lengths from the earth to the sun, you know, and and like, you know, 99 point something percent. So it's like really fascinating that, you know, these, these ancient civilizations were all looking at, they, they found these patterns that how could they possibly have known these these numbers? Hmm. Yeah, I've seen a list of like two def- dozen different uh, meanings related to 108 and synchronicities, basically, it seems. Yeah. Uh, Yannick, you originally published this book on your own. Right. right. Okay, so, now tell us what happened. How, how did this evolve to Hay House? Yeah. Well, first it was just, you know, just my, like a little moleskin that I had for myself. And every night I would check off the, the box and felt really great about it. And then about, you know, 50, 60, 70 days into it, I started using it as my own Oracle. Mm-hmm. And whenever I needed an answer to something, I would, I would pop it open. And many times it was me, sometimes it was from past journals. I would take concepts and other times it was literally just meditating and what, what came through me. Mm-hmm. And, and so it was, it, it turned out, you know, this really powerful work. And then I started showing it to a bunch of my friends. They're like, oh, this is amazing. And one of my friends who, uh, he, he, uh, self-proclaimed invests in, in bliss. And he's like, I, you know, I see how you light up about this. I'm going to pay to have like a, a special limited edition edition created. Um, and he's like, okay, you know, just let wow. me know, you know, what, what you want to do with it. Because then it went from a, maybe a project to like a real project. And, <laughs> And so then it was it was really fun to take all these pages. I had someone scan them all in and, it, you know, you two have written how many books now? 15, 20? Who? Yeah, both of you. Uh, we've written over 100. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. All right. So uh, fiction so, and nonfiction. Yeah, fiction and nonfiction. I was thinking 25. Yeah, so 100. So you know the drill. You know, I, I'm, I'm still in the single digits. I probably have uh, five or six, I think, that we have out there. And But the... But so this is the you know the wildest editing process ever. I literally had these little two inch by two inch squares <laughs> of the pages out on my kitchen table. Oh and, God! And I also had to make the, the the journal usable for people. So uh, we created prompts that are on the left hand pages, and mm-hmm. so matching up the prompts and the pages. I literally I finished the prompts at one eleven uh, a.m. in the morning, <laughs> and, and that, you know it wasn't like I had an alarm set. And then at 1, 11 a.m., I finished the actual um, just order of the pages because, you know, when I wrote them, there was no order to them. Right. And it was it was the wildest thing. Uh, so, you know, again, there's like these little magic hints. And then I remember leaving a, a note for my kids uh, because I had all these little pages spread out <laughs> on the kitchen island. I'm like, do not breathe. Do not blow anything on here. <laughs> Eat your breakfast somewhere else, because I think I went to bed, you know, that night. At, who knows? Three o'clock or four o'clock. So uh, I told them, you know, don't don't do anything. And so that became the first version, like this nice little limited edition vegan leather version. Uh-huh. We published eight hundred eighty-eight of them. And good, then, good number. Yeah. And then I got uh, a meeting with uh, Reed Tracy from Hay House, right. one of my friends, and we had a breakfast meeting. You know, I I showed him the, the 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 journal, and I'm like, this works like an oracle deck. You know, open it up. And, uh, and, and he opened it and he's seen everything, right? You know, he was best friends with Wayne Dyer right. and he published all these transformational works. And he's like, wow, this is, this is fascinating. <laughs> you know, this, this is really, really interesting. And, and then they fast track the contract. And so that's, that's how it turned into, wow. you know, the current version. And, and it's been, it's been really, really fun. Well, so, I use it. That's how I started using it was as an Oracle. I yeah. mean, but you, you didn't intend it that way, right? Or did you? I, I did. Yeah, I, I did intend it. That that I had cool oracle. Around. That was going to be an oracle for me. So I never really intended it fully to be out, you know, because there there's some somewhat personal, interesting stuff. And I don't think if I knew, you know, how sometimes when you're writing, if you're thinking about your audience, then then you might hold back certain things. Right, right. right. Uh, this was really for me, and then um, you know, it, it 
like that, I think that's why it also appeals to, to people in, in that deep way. So actually, let's use it like an oracle. I don't know if you have a copy sitting there or I. We I do. Can, yeah. Uh-huh. So I, I do use it. One open, and uh, let's, let's see. Let's ask what, a question. Do we ask a question or just you open? Can, it? You can just hold an intention, or you can ask an open-ended question, whatever you want. Um, kind of question you're holding it. Question. Let's see. I can't think of any questions. <laughs> okay, hold an intention. Just open it and uh, have a discussion around what whatever okay. shows up. So the right seeds always bloom. Mm. 147. 147. Perfect. Uh, let me just flip it open. So yeah, that the right seeds always bloom, and it has pictures of everything from peas <laughs> to. Uh, to cherries, to avocados, to uh, to maple, something you called. Did, did you do those at the time you did it, or did you come in later with the illustrations? I did. Every page was all done at once. Wow, oh, wow. that's incredible. And wow. and so, you know, again, back to the editing process. And I think you'll find this really funny. And then I'll talk about this page. So yeah. when Hay House picked it up, you know, the version that I have, the original version, has a few typos, I'm sure, in there, and different like grammatical errors and. Mm-hmm. and some drawings and things that they wouldn't let me use because of uh, potentially potential copyright issues or whatever it was uh-huh. when I look at. So, I, you know, the editing process was just wild because then I would have to re-handwrite certain pages. Oh, God. I would have to redraw certain pages. We'd have to cut and paste them into some of these pages. But it ended up being a better finished product, I think. We probably edited about 20% of it. So, so yeah, so this this page so it says nature has figured out multiple ways to seed the earth. Some seeds are covered in an appealing and sweet ca- uh, casing like a cherry, and that's pretty smart since animals and humans are drawn to eat them. And then like a Trojan horse, the seed gets deposited somewhere else. A plant is smart enough to know its progeny may have more success some distance away. As parents, we can pay attention here to ensure our seedlings don't grow up in our shadows. Our children need their own soil to bloom fully. Mm-hmm. Seeds are designed to be abundant and adaptive. Some are spread on the wind like the little helicopter maple seeds I loved watching rain down around me when I was a kid. Mm. Or other seeds like the cockle burr hitch a free ride in animal's fur. <laughs> yeah. Those are That's where Velcro actually came from. Oh, and, really? Yeah. Mm. And um, or that idea of like that, those little, um, you know, those little things. Um, okay. Yeah, we call them travelers. Travelers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and then and then the coconut is uniquely designed to float in the water for long periods of time, protecting the precious cargo inside until it makes its way onshore. And there's even seeds that lay dormant until a fire comes and raises the ground around them. And these yeah. seeds sprout from destruction to bring new life. And the symbolism here is not subtle. So you know that whole aspect, like all these different seeds and how they're spread, is really really powerful. And then mm. it says, what seeds are you planting? Or AKA ideas. How many different ways can you have your ideas spread? Can you create incentives, the fruit that attract others to help you? Or what ideas can hitch a ride by fast movers and influencers? Some ideas might sprout after destruction, rising from the ashes of failure, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And perhaps like the plants, we don't need to be attached to which ideas take roots. The right idea, the right seeds will always bloom when we provide the water and sunlight. Hmm. And then at the bottom it says, you are galactic seed blooming. I like this, but uh, I tend to find that I have a lot of weeds growing in my yard. <laughs> How do we yeah. deal with that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, the weeds, I think the weeds hold a purpose, too. And I think it's just up to yeah. us to I figure guess out. That, yeah, what that's what it is with weeds. Uh, they're only weeds because we don't have a purpose for them. Yeah, and I think there's, you know, for instance, like dandelions, right? I, I know dandelions are, are known as weeds for some people. Or but canary tea. Right, exactly. And there's a lot of healing properties for, for yeah. dandelion tea. Yeah. So, so, you know, I think everything has a purpose. So the one thing, and maybe you, you two have an answer for this. So, I'm, you know, I, I sit in meditation often outside is my favorite. And when, when a mosquito lands on me, it's like, <laughs> well, you know, what the purpose is of this mosquito and do I swat it or not swat it? And, you know, what do I do with this? Is it non-attachment or so, you know, maybe this is a, a, a philosophical question that you two have an answer to. Right. Well, that's I what, always swat yeah. because they always bite me. <laughs> and we have an issue lately with mice having, I think the cats bring the mice in. They're supposed to kill mice, but instead they bring them in and release them to play with them. And then they go into the wall. And so, uh, you know, it's a question of uh, trapping them live or 
poisoning them or what? You know, it's. Right. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to hurt them. But. Yeah, I, I know. It's uh, it's like as okay. you gain more insight, you you think about your your decision making that has implications, you know, further and further down the line. Right. It's for everything, right? It's like how we, as consumers in our society, how do we consume and what do we consume when we spend our our money? Like it, you know, it, it trickles down to everything, uh, and 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 this is what I'm most interested in as well. Is like what's how do we nudge the consciousness of the world using the leverage of business? And, and so all those things come forth from there. But it's it, it's a, you know, I, I don't think there's one straight answer for it, right? And, and for each person, it's, it's going to be different it's as different, well. Yeah. Yannick, uh, this group that we went to with you or your group, it, it, that was fascinating. And the woman who channeled the sounds, I actually woke up that morning with a sore throat and by the end of the by the end of that session, I didn't have a sore throat anymore. So there definitely is something to her healing through sound. Can you, can you explain how that group started and what it is? Yeah, so, so the group <laughs> we're going to is, uh, it, it's just a kind of a, a, a haphazard, impromptu group that, that we created uh, during, during you know, the, this time here of, of COVID and what's going on to bring people who are, are leaders of, of other leaders together and, and just help them be in frequency resonance, like to hold a high level of uh, of frequency and resonance for for what they want to do in the world, and, and especially during this time. And so, we invite different people who are gifted in their own way to to share something. And so, we've had different um, Native American ceremony. We've had uh, quantum meditations. We've had sound healers. We've done cacao ceremonies. It's just a, a lot of different stuff. And and then we'll. We'll share with with each other what's come up, but really it's just kind of a, a I don't know, a, a little oasis in the world, of, uh-huh. and a little experiment that that we've been playing around with virtually. Like, could can we do this this kind of work? Because you know I've done a lot of retreats in person, and that's always incredibly powerful. But can we bring some of this into the into the virtual space? Well, I think you did. I mean, I, I just found it fascinating what you guys were doing. Yeah, it's um, I, I love experiments, you know, for all all aspects of, of, of my life. So I'll do experiments from, you know, sometimes let's say no alcohol or no sugar or or, or meditating or what or journaling, you know, like whatever it is. Um, and, and then and I also recommend experiments to other people. And because you have a beginning and you have an end and mm-hmm. then you kind of see like, you know, oh, does does this, you know, enhance my life or, or not? It's not a decision that you're saying I'm going to do this forever and ever. And then you kind of, you know, make a make a, a choice and see, oh, yeah, you know, journaling is a really great process that I want to add to my life or or meditating. You know, everyone says you should meditate or blah, blah, blah. But I don't I don't fall. I don't like that aspect where, where people are like you should do this. You, you need uh-huh. to be. It's, it's like, let's, you know, let's let's experiment and see. Well, your cosmic journey experiment turned out well. <laughs> yeah, it, it, no, that's incredible. And so like, to me, what one of the, the favorite parts of it, and I think everyone can really take away from it as well, is I call it a cosmic checkbox. Mm-hmm. So doing something that you love. Like, so when I was thinking about that art experiment, it wasn't like forcing myself to do some piece of art. So as a kid, you know, you mentioned the, the, the markers and the uh-huh. you know, getting caught and so forth. And, and so as a kid, I wanted to be a professional hockey player and a cartoonist in the off season. <laughs> <laughs> dream and yeah. then you know when I started doing more and more in the business world uh, I gave up a lot of the art stuff not not necessarily from a conscious basis it just wasn't something that right. was my life in a big way anymore and then through journaling I would start doodling again and drawing every single meeting that I had my team knows like and you can even you know if you saw my doodles right now as we're talking right. uh, I have an entire page of doodles and and so <laughs> I I continually do that and and so it's just it's joyful for me uh-huh. And so when I was thinking about that art, I'm like, okay, what would be the most joyful for me to do? And it was a journal page and an illustrated artwork inside the journal page. So having that checkbox, you know, I call it the cosmic checkbox. If you could do something that is really just joyful without having attachment to what it's going to turn into. And that's the other big thing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. From the spiritual text, like from uh, the Bhagavad Gita, it talks about that we're only entitled to our, our labor and not to the fruits of our labor. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a big thing for especially entrepreneurs that I work with, but really anyone is that attachment to, oh, well, what is, what's, what's, what is this going to turn into? Right. Is this 
you know, book? Is this going to be a bestseller? Is, you know, is it going to be whatever our attachment is? And that can also, I think, tighten us up into what is the the, the expression of, of this thing that wants to come forth. So if you just have that cosmic checkbox, which is a, an action that's joyful each day, and, and then by also stacking it, so it's not just doing it one day, but, uh-huh. but having multiple days, you know, it doesn't have to be 108 days, but it could be, right. you know, 33 days, it could be whatever number is, is you know, meaningful to you. Um, you're going to come out with something that that is probably better than you might have even expected by not having that that attachment. That's a good point. Yeah. What kind of uh, work do you do with uh, with businesses? So we bring together entrepreneurs who are leaders in their own field to help them grow themselves, evolve, make a difference in the world uh, individually through their companies and collectively, and then also have some fun together. So it's, it's uh, growth, growth, impact, and fun is kind of the three interconnected circles. And it's through retreats and experiences. It's through uh, workshops. It's through them just coming together as, as a community. Oh, what about, what, what, oh, go ahead. Yeah. What about the economics, though? I mean, in the corporate world, CEOs make like a thousand times more than their secretaries. And uh, the average worker doesn't have much to um, say about the direction of the company. Are you looking into that? I mean, there are some companies that are kind of on the cutting edge where the CEO <clears throat> makes a reasonable amount of money, uh, pays their employees like $75,000 uh, a year, and uh, has uh, like uh, pa- uh, discussion panels or, uh, with the, the workers to uh, help in the decision making for the company. Uh, have, you, have you done anything in that uh, realm at all? Well, so yeah. Yes and no. So, you know, I think part of this is a bigger question around around value creation. Right. So uh-huh. as you know, if you're a ten dollar an hour worker, that's the value that you're providing at that moment. Um, yeah. If you're a you know, and if and if you don't feel like that's you're providing, if you're not getting paid what you deserve, then, you know, you need to make yourself more valuable, essentially. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and so I believe, so one of the very first things I wrote in my journal, probably 20 years ago, when I started, maybe even learn further back on this journey was I get rich by enriching others 10x to 100x what they pay me in return. Mm-hmm. So it's always been about a question of what is the value that that you're bringing forth. And as a worker, you know, I don't even like that that term, but let's say yeah. it's really as as a person, what is the value that I can bring to the most, the greatest number of people? And mm-hmm. so, and, and that's typically where the marketplace is going to reward you. Now it's not a perfect marketplace. You know, it's not, it's not directly, you know, if I, if I help three people tomorrow, I'm going to get rewarded, you know, the next right. day, but it, it, it's, it's, you can't, it's almost like a natural law. You can't help, but be rewarded in the proportion of, of what your service is. Now, if you're simply, you know, packing a box and, and that's your that's your job, the value that you have is, is somewhat minimal because that could be a robot po- packing a box. Uh-huh. Right. And, and this is what we're leading into right now in the 21st century is what is the skill sets that, that are needed in order to, to really prosper. And to me, packing a box is not one of them or whatever mm-hmm. it is. It's, yeah. it's creative thinking. It's, it's how to, you know, learning about learning. It's, it's doing the things that, that we as humans can actually do at the highest level of, of being uh, transformative and, and even, you know, tra- transcending. So, so I, I, I have my book, uh, Evolved Enterprise, does take a look at this from how did companies move from being transactional to mm-hmm. transformational, to even transcending. And what you were talking about, Rob, about, you know, so one of the CEOs, we actually had him come in, and it might be the same CEO you were thinking about uh, from Gravity Payments. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, so so we had him come in and do a do a session with us. Okay, long-haired, long-haired dude that exactly. doesn't look like a CEO. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, his whole process was, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna you know, I, I used to be making a million dollars a year and I'm gonna make myself I'm only going to have damn price and I'm going to have, I think, $70,000 as a salary. And how do I increase what I'm doing as for our team? So there's a, a really interesting book called Reinventing Organizations that looks at um, self-activating companies and, and how do they move basically in these different ways of like societal 
almost like core values as, as a society and moving from, so a lot of companies are still in what in that book would call an orange space, which is the person who wins the most is the person that, you know, let's say sells the most. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like the, the competition and, and it's, it's really about, who, you know, the survival of the fittest in some way. Then it moves off and where he, Dan is really pre- playing ne- is this next level. So, which is a green company, which is kind of like, we're all a big family. You know, it's a like Ben and Jerry's and Whole Foods mm-hmm. is kind of like this, that we're one big family and it's, and it's here, you know, let's share this, this pool together in a bigger way. Then there's another level, which they call a teal company. And that's where it becomes these self actualizing, self organizing companies and that they, like it's a whole nother level, but you're taking the best of, of everything from before that in, into this new level of evolution. And that, that's where it's really interesting. And, and again, that's where I think this evolved enterprise concept looks at, okay, how do we as a company, how do we make a greater impact in the world? And, and companies actually have five leverage points that I talked to them about, which is their, their, their team members. So empowered employment, like what, what could be done to even empower people who have been underserved and create, make that a competitive advantage. Uh, so there's like a company that I love to point out that that hires people on the autism spectrum scale, and oh. they they are a company that does quality control and testing across different browser platforms and different iOS operating oh. systems. So they're bringing in people that that typically would be you know looked at as as having a, a disability, but they're right. saying you know this is a superpower because they're more they have more attention to detail and they have more they're more. Uh, you know, able to, to work on repetitive tasks. So, so I love things like that, like creating a competitive advantage and creating empowered employment. Then there's also supply chain, thinking about who you're buying from. There's, there's your actual talent within your organization. There's uh, your, your voice, like how to use your voice. Patagonia is a great example of this, that they're using their voice about anything to do with, with, with nature and sustaining nature. And then there's the actual product or service itself. How do you bake in an impact? And so there's so many ways that that you can do that. And that's why I think that the greatest way of nudging the consciousness of the world is through the leverage of business. Hmm. And it's a true value exchange as well that happens. Like we're not forcing people to buy. And, right. and what we're seeing right now is we're really fascinating, which is consumers want to buy from companies that have a greater purpose and mission. Hmm. And, and, and companies are, are getting smarter about this and realizing, but it has to be in an authentic way that they're doing it. Yeah. And, and not just like, you know, a kind of a bandaid approach. And then also, right. From the inside in, which is the team wants to work for a company that has a greater purpose. Yeah. Well, I, what do you what, what do you think about a company like Amazon? Oh, well, I mean, I, I don't yeah, want you to criticize. Yeah, I mean, that's a. I think that's a difficult question in some ways because they providing jobs. They, yeah, it, right. They're they're a value creator in many ways. However, you know, there there are some things about Amazon that that I, I find really really off putting. That you know, they have so much access to data. So I have I have a lot of friends that that sell on Amazon, and even some of the best in the world that teach how to sell on Amazon. And but Amazon is the platform, right? So if you're building on essentially a rented platform, it's not your own platform, so you don't have full control, and and that's part of you know your rent for for being part of it. Right. So they are not just taking a percentage, which is fine because they own that customer, but they're also using that data to then get better and smarter and then even compete against sellers, which I find, you know, really off-putting in some ways because they're, they're like, well, we can just, you know, get, leave that, that person out and let's, let's go do it ourselves. And so they, you know, they're, they're really about consolidating and, and, and bringing forth uh, just a, a massive, base of, of of consumers that they can control in, in some way shape or form and i don't know i mean it's it's uh it, it's kind of a, a, a you know it's a nuanced uh question for sure but uh-huh yeah it's had a lot of heavy effect on small business you know and uh the right. well, it's also had a heavy effect on authors yeah for sure i well, mean yeah true you know if you're not <laughs> I mean that—that's where pe- most people go these days to buy their books. Sure. You know, so you right. And, but you know, and and this is like the way I think about it. most things is like, okay, great. Well, that's the convenient thing, and that's the easy way. Right. That's fine. You know, but if you provide more value or you do something different, then they're going to come direct to you. And mm-hmm. and so like you know, one of my friends, uh, this guy Ari Zing- uh, Ari Weinswig from Zingerman's, 
he's he's written a bunch of books and he runs a really interesting food related company that has a lot of different arms to it. And he won't uh, sell his books on Amazon. He's just like, I don't believe in multinationals. I, oh, really? That's oh. interesting. And all his, you know, the entire publishing is done in Ann Arbor, where he is. Like, you know, the paper companies in Ann Arbor, the pub, you know, the the printing, like everything is done there locally. And and so he believes in, in local. And How so does I he distribute his books? Just, distribution is the key, though. Well, through his website and through uh-huh. you know, speeches and 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 what he does to to get out there and yeah. and. And then it's also about, um, you, you know, I, I think it's it's deciding what is what it, where, what are your core values and where do they match up on what do you want to do. So some people, it's like right, you know, I want the maximum distribution, but in other ways, you get a lot of credit. You know, I give him a ton of credit by saying, no, this is you know, th- this is what I stand for, and I'm gonna yeah. you know, maybe I might not make quite as much, but I don't care, mm-hmm. and, and I'm also gonna get, I think. The right people to to come into to what I'm doing, hmm. so so I, I think you you uh, you earn a lot of I don't know credits by by looking at it from from that. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. Yannick, how did you meet uh, Richard Bronson? <laughs> We've been wanting to ask you that. <laughs> yeah, so, so Richard has been a, a business hero of mine for a long time. You know, I just love the way he lives his life and says yes to so much and is so adventurous and has, you know, stakes in and in, in three hundred some different companies. Uh, and and so uh, I, I got invited once uh, to to his island by a friend of mine that had met him at a charity dinner, and he had organized uh, a, a group outing there and it was not not cheap and so i'm like you know I, yeah I'm, I'm going and and so i i went there and then um and then my friend's like well you know that was really awesome uh, i don't think we can do it again next year so i don't think we can fill it i'm like well why don't you and i team up and 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 fill it together i'll fill half the island you fill half the island hmm. and then that's what we did for five six years or so and now we've been doing it for our on our own for the last couple of years and, and we've done about 11 years of retreats with richard wow. and, and so it, on this island, on, on his island. So, you know, so I believe also in um, <laughs> I have something uh, way back that I call my ultimate life list. Um, and, and it was just like, you know, things that I wanted to do, experience, uh, you know, be have, whatever. And, and I remember uh, I wrote in there, um, have lunch with with Richard Branson. And so it was just like, you know, now it's turned into probably 50 lunches with with Richard. <laughs> and and so, you know, I think there's so much power in um, I, I have this this little uh, plaque that, that came from my journal. It's in the Cosmic Journal, too. It's the very first page. Um, and and so I wrote it on Necker. So it's especially poignant. And it says, trust, trust. The universe has even more in store for you than you can imagine. Trust. Oh, yeah, the timing. Trust your crazy ideas. Trust your wings will grow when you leap. Trust your nature. Trust you've been encoded with a cosmic alarm clock. Trust the signs, symbols, and synchronicities sent to you. Trust the co-conspirators catalyzing your conscious evolution. Trust the perfect unfolding of your understanding. Trust your divine connections. Hmm. And I wrote that at sunrise, actually on the morning when we were doing, when I was going to, you know, the, the, when we took over the trip. So that was before that very first session. And we were, you know, doing a lot of, a lot of different things. Even, you know, so now we've brought like shamans into the island and doing a lot, of, you know, a lot, a lot of unusual things for these entrepreneurs, but they, they will play along and, and they, you know, not everyone absolutely loves it, but, but we, we have these really interesting high level conversations. And I think that's also where, you know, Richard and I connect in, in a deep way is that he's, he's like, okay, let's, how do we, how do we work on some serious issues, but not take ourselves too seriously and, you uh-huh. know, in the, in that bio opening about like wearing the lemur suits or the mermaid tails or whatever it is. <laughs> so we, it, it just makes it, you know, we, we don't have to, it doesn't have to be so stone faced and serious. And uh-huh. so, yeah. so that's, it's been a real joy to bring other amazing entrepreneurs there and then also continue that, that relationship with, with Richard. Do yeah. you have a seat on the space shuttle? <laughs> I do. <laughs> whatever it is yeah. he's doing. I do. Yeah. Do? All right. Yeah. I'm uh, so so you'll like this because you, you two are into numbers. Um, <laughs> uh, um, so originally when I signed up, I was like number 155 or uh-huh. 156 or something like that. And then a few people had dropped out. So then I became number 144. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. A really interesting sort of galactic 
I don't know, blueprint number for me of, of the <laughs> yeah, Sorry. And, and so, yeah, so now I'm one, I'm 144. And, and so, and hold, yeah, and hold it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it, it's, uh, it's been a while. I've, I've been signed up for, uh, 13 years. And my wife will remind Gee. me um, <laughs> times that, that it's okay if we get that money back, but, uh, you could have been to Mars and back. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> what what's the what's the most powerful synchronicity you've ever had? You, you know, there's so many actually. I, uh, I, I was thinking about that, you know, before our call because obviously that's that's you know, even like the one one one, right? Like that was right. So cool, and, and it continues to to show up. Um, and then so nine two five, my birthday, I think, is a huge one. Um, so my, my birthday is September 25th. Mm-hmm. And, and so our family, our last name, uh, so our family's from Russia. We came over when I was three years old and, and, um, our family last name is Zilberbaum, which means silver tree. Mm-hmm. And, and so my mom thought it was mistranslated when we came over and my parents got divorced. She changed her name to Silverbaum. And then, um, uh, and so there's, there's really no, no other Zilberbaums. And then, so when I started writing, for a little while, I used kind of just a pen name. I'm like, you know, you know, John X Silver. And then, you know, for, I, I wasn't really planning on changing it. And then it just like felt like that is the right thing. Uh-huh. For me. And it just felt more, more correct. And then, you know, but, but the fact that there's no other Zilber bombs, my brother, and that's it. And my dad, you know, this, like, to me, it was going to be like a crushing conversation to tell him this, <laughs> and so, you know, I put it off for a long time, but then having that, my birthday be 925 and if you look inside sterling silver most times it says 0.925 percent mm-hmm. silver and i'm like all right that really can't That's your confirmation <laughs> yeah so that was like you know just really leaning into that and you know it wasn't like i'm going to change it into like smith or something like that it was, uh-huh. it was, it was really related to what we're about and then i even love you know this idea of a silver tree as well right because that's the tree of life and this whole alchemy and silver tree alchemy and so forth like so there's a lot of synchronicities and, and meaning for me there but that you know that 925 was a big one and then you know you might even know this this person or some of this research um so as a, you know there's no other zilber bombs but i started looking and there's a guy named jacobo grinberg zilber bomb <laughs> so jacobo means you know jacob and and so in in russia my my name is yakov uh, which actually translates to Jacob, but my hmm. family always called me Yannick from you know when I was very very young because Jan is <laughs> Russians have a lot of names and then so Jan is uh, is a small version of of, of Yaakov or Yannick or Jan uh, or John even and then Jan Ik Ik is small like the little because we also hmm. have my my dad's father was Yaakov and my mom's uh-huh. father was like so both of them were the same and so that you know that distinction was Yannick I was, I was little. Uh, and then, but that stock, you know, that's been my, my name ever since. But then Jacobo hmm. Grinberg Zilberbaum was this Mexican researcher in consciousness. And, and his <laughs> famous experiment was um, he would place two people together, have them stare into each other's eyes for a certain amount of time and connect them, like almost like entangle them. And then put one of them in this Faraday cage. Um, really? Way across campus. And then he would shine a light into into the other person's eyes and then he would measure the pupil response in the other person and huh. he, would, he would and he got a, a pupil response so it's fascinating research about about connection and consciousness and like you know that i'm even like kind of getting goosebumps talking about it because it's so connected to my 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 full name in some way so it's just like mm. so wild wow hmm yeah. What now? So where exactly were you born in Russia? Moscow. Oh, Moscow. A- after we get off, I'd like to get. I'd love to do your chart. <laughs> okay, sure. Is that all right? Okay. Yeah. Um, so about synchronicity. Now, Trish and I have found that when we travel, when we get out of our daily routines, that they seem to occur more often to us. Uh, they because something about not just being in the the same program every day, that uh, you look at things a little differently. Uh, and I wonder if you found that to be true in your travels and your retreats and uh, things come together in a little more uh, natural, unexpected way? 
Yes, absolutely. And when you're aware of them, like as you bring awareness to it, I think it shows up even more. And mm-hmm. I think when you have this, uh, you know, that, that you're this cheerful expectancy that, that, that things are going to show up even better. So like for me, if let's say something quote unquote goes wrong. So we have a family value, we call them 13 silver keys. And one of them is everything's wonderful. <laughs> and so it's like looking for, okay, what's, what's the wonderful part about this? And I think that helps you get to a faster thing of, so, so, for instance, uh, one, one example is inside the journal, right? So every single night I was, I was drawing and doodling. And one night, um, let me see if I can find the exact page number. Uh, it's page 153. So if you look at that one, it says, it says bloom. So the original quote was supposed to say bloom where, where you are planted is what it was supposed oh, to say. Oh, right. Start. Okay. And so I had spent all that time drawing that, that flower picture, which actually which represents. really pretty. <laughs> yeah, it actually represents, uh, I don't know if you, you recognize it, but it represents uh, the, the tree of life as well, uh-huh. tree of life. And so I, I spent all this time drawing that. And, and then so I wrote bloom, and it's like three o'clock in the morning, I wrote bloom where you are. And then I wrote P-L-A-N-E. I'm like, ah, oh, shoot. That's probably not what I said. But, uh, it, you know, because it was, I was like, I literally like I was falling asleep and my, my pen, you know, just moved. And I'm like, okay, well, what's, what's the, you know, what is the real magic here? What's the synchronicity of it, perhaps? And then so I, it, it turned into bloom where you're planted. And I'm like, oh, that is so much better. And it changes yeah. the context of what this, what this says. And, and like, this is probably one of those entries that if I knew I was writing it for people, I don't think I probably would have put it <laughs> in there, right? Like it says, as a multidimensional being, it might seem difficult to be on earth during these accelerated times of learning. We long for our place in the stars, but you were brought to earth for a definite reason in this coming silver age. Mm-hmm. I'll explain that in a second. So that's another synchronicity. Bloom here and embrace being part of and birthed by the earth, literally grown from this planet for the collective evolution. Rise to the full merging of your personal self, higher self and divine source. Step forth with everything you've learned in the exact spot you are, you are planted or planeted. Hmm. So there's a couple things to unpack there that, that are really interesting. One is the silver age. So right. there's, a, there's a cycle called the great year, which is a approximately 25,000, 26,000 year cycle. Mm-hmm. which uh, a, a lot of different cultures have talked about. Uh, and, and you're probably familiar with the golden age. Right. Or, you know, that there were like literally the mythic golden age of, of superpowers and, 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 you know, everything was, was incredible. So there's, there's a, I don't know if I'd call it even a theory. I think it's, to me, it's, it's something I, I fully subscribe to, which is time is not linear where it's just mm-hmm. like we keep, we keep progressing and getting better and better and better it's more cyclical, like everything else, mm-hmm. right? Like there's like day and night is a 24 hour cycle. The seasons are this, this yearly cycle when there's also cycles within cycles within cycles. And many of the ancients talked about this, this 26,000 year cycle of, it would, you know, it was the golden age, then it goes to the silver age, then it goes mm-hmm. to the, uh, to the bronze and iron age, but it goes back again. And so it also translates to, um, you know, in, in the Indian yugas, uh, of, of these of these different big ages, and and so there's this ascending level of consciousness, and and, and I think you can really feel it, and, and I would imagine that you know even like the work on synchronicities and so forth with mm-hmm. like the audience that it's probably gathered is different than maybe 20 years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. There's like there's real you know if you ask people like so you know when I would teach entrepreneurs <laughs> do workshops and so forth I ask them okay how many of you meditate maybe 15% of the room might, might raise their hands. Now it's like 80%. Huh. And it's fascinating to see, and like that's kind of a leading indicator. And so this ascending silver age, so we're in a time of this ascending consciousness. And so if you, it, the cycle goes back, like so golden age, silver age, bronze, iron, and then it goes bronze, silver, golden again. And it keeps, uh-huh. it's a cycle. And so we actually brought our, our group to the Mayan Riviera in 2012. And you talk about getting out of oh, wow. locations and creating <laughs> yeah. synchronicities, right? So Rob, like, th- like think about this. So we, so normally we used to do our annual summit in the first part of December, or now it's in the first part of January. And so, but studying and, and really leaning into the, the energies of the Mayan calendar change and 
for mm-hmm. 2012. And, and, you know, I've been studying that even beforehand. I'm like, no, we need to go down to the Mayan Riviera for, for a session there. And, and they're like, you're crazy. That's four days before Christmas. <laughs> I'm like, no, we need to go down there. And, and absolutely. Uh, and so our team w- w- was able to, to get us connected, you know, t- again, talk about synchronicities. My, so, um, my, my cousin works with me and she's amazing. She's our chief experience architect. And, and she had met this woman named Steph down in the Riviera, like a couple years back for her 30th birthday that she just quote unquote randomly met. Hmm. She was connected to all these different Mayan shamans and, and, and culture. Hmm. She was able to get us to spend the night in a Mayan village on that. Wow. Night. Like I'm getting goosebumps again, talking yeah, about that's it. so hmm. powerful. Uh, and so we were, we were the only group that had ever spent the night in this little village. And then we had ceremony there in a Temescal, which is like a, a Mayan sweat lodge. And mm. so we were, we were really late getting there because there was an accident on the road. Uh, the shaman was late for whatever reason. <laughs> it's not allowed so, to be late. <laughs> late. And then, so this, this, have you ever been in a sweat lodge or a Temescal? No, I haven't. Mm-mm. Yeah. So, so the, the symbolism is of you're going into the womb of the earth to be reborn. And, and so it's very tight, very completely dark um, and, and, and somewhat claustrophobic. And before this, I've, I've had bouts of claustrophobia and I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to I'm going to be in there. And, and so we get in there and, and you're packed in there pretty tight. And, right. and it says, you know, if you want to get out, you can clap your hands. But I'm like breathing through this and trying to trying to breathe. And then um, at some point, it, it just like kicks in of just relaxing into this whole this whole ceremony, and it was it was so powerful. And then so you have to yell. They, they put a, a boulder, so they br- they bring in lava rock and they put uh, water on top of it, so then it like steams up and makes it uh-huh. breathe. Like it's it's super powerful. And then all the ceremonies in there. And then so they at the end of it, uh, you yell and they remove the boulder that was blocking the entrance, and then you get out. And hmm. It's not like the shaman in there, you know, he's got, doesn't have like a glow in the dark watch or anything like that. And we get out and literally the other group, because we had two groups that had been in there. Um, so the other group is yelling five, four, three, <laughs> like they, we literally came out at midnight on the solstice. Wow. This epic time. And, and that was, you know, just following my intuition in this deep, deep way. And that really changed the direction of what we were doing with Maverick as well. Hmm. Um, so it was really, really powerful. Like that kind of synchronicity, you, you can't plan for it. Like, and, and no. again, the symbolism of being, you know, going into the womb of the earth and being reborn, like it was so, so powerful. And it really made me think about, okay, this is the kind of work that, that I want and need to be doing with, with these entrepreneurs. Uh-huh. Yeah, that sounds really powerful what you yeah, did in the, the Mayan village there. And uh, I mean, if most people who would do anything related to the Mayans in uh, the Yucatan there would go to Chichen Itza, which right. is a beautiful place with the pyramids and that. But there's also hundreds of tourists and big buses full yeah. of tourists. And it, uh, there are so many other places that are less... Um, touristic, less inhabited, but very powerful. And you found one of them. Yeah, exactly. And then, then the next day at the actual, you know, th- and this is amazing because, you know, your website is 1111. The next day at 1111, which was when the actual full solstice was, we had a ceremony at one of the pyramids. I can't remember which one, but but it was one of the ones you could actually climb and we snuck, yeah. so we snuck the shaman in. You're not actually allowed to have ceremony. <laughs> But but we snuck him in along with his conch shell and and so it was it was super powerful. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean the, the best synchronicities are the ones that just unfold. Yeah, and, like and yeah. you know I'd be curious, you know, from you because you study this, and I've had this happen too. Is I love when there's like years from now and and like they're they're separated like you have one layer and uh-huh. another layer unfolds and even sometimes another layer unfolds years from. From that that original time, you're like, oh, wow. Yannick, on page 55 of the Cosmic Journal, you write about polarity or duality or opposing forces under the title of the number two. You refer to opposites, cold, warmth, yin, yang, male, female, active, receptive, light, shadow, right, left, logic, intuition. So one side blaming the other in politics and relationships. 
you talk about the importance of bridging this polarity. How do you do that? How do we do that? I, I so there, you know, there, there's the there's the trite answer, and I think there's the other <laughs> one, and and uh, you know, a knowing that this is kind of the way that it seems that our world is built on this, that that the polarity is is something that that creates the the mechanism for our, our world to exist right now, mm-hmm. and but also knowing that there's a a third direction, and or a third. I don't know, point that that creates. So from a, from a higher elevated point, you can actually see the two polarities. Like when you're in the polarity, it's very difficult to feel right. like, you know, I'm right, I'm right, you know, that person right. is wrong or whatever it is. But if you can look at it from a third vantage point, then you can actually start seeing that, that polarity. And so I'll give you maybe somewhat of a an odd example. This This really came to me uh, the other night, and I wrote about it in my journal, was I was thinking about, you know, my dad and leaving my dad's business. So I grew up working for my dad for a long time. When I was 14, I telemarketed. When I was 16, I was out on the road cold calling as a medical equipment sales and service call uh, company. And so for a long time, I thought I was just going to take over the company and, and grow it. And then I kind of got this itch to, to do my own thing. And, um, and I started helping other doctors with their marketing and so forth. And, and, and I was really into you know, the, this kind of creating my own path in, in some way, shape or form. And so I remember at some point I would, I, I, I put out a, an offer and, and on the very last day of the deadline, I got one doctor to respond to this offer. It's like a, a $900 course and kit on how to get more, more patients. And I was so happy, so excited. And then I had to go make this thing. And then, so every day at five o'clock I would clock out, but I would, continue using my dad's office, my office, I guess, and, and create this, this product. And I'd be there sometimes till two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning working on it. And I just remember this, this feeling or this image came to me of like sitting out in the front room, working on one of the computers, working on my own project. And then him in the back, um, feeling like this mixture of, of like probably some, some sadness, Mm-hmm. from from knowing that you know I, I would be leaving at some point and then also like a, a slight mix of like being proud and a slight mix of being worried that that when I when I left that would I sur- would I make it or not and then me having this joy and feeling super excited about it but then also having you know a little bit of that guilt and and feeling uh-huh. like I was let, letting my dad down so it was this co- really complete yin and yang there of of yeah you know within all of it and and that was what it was just a really interesting thing that came up for me to really feel into it because like it was, I was so happy in that moment, but then also had that little bit of, you know, just guilt. Uh, and guilt. Yeah. And that, yeah. that was like, if you, if you think about that from the, you know, from that yin yang symbol, let's say that was the white and, mm-hmm. and the white is me being happy and overjoyed that I'm following something I'm so excited by. And that little darkness was that feeling like I was letting my right. dad. Down. And then for him, it was, that worry that I wasn't going to make it and, and, and that I was leaving him. But inside it was like that little also whiteness of, oh, he's following his own. Yeah. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. It seems that, you know, in the everyday world, we, we have this opposing forces, the duality. But to get to a higher place, a higher level of awareness, to see the non-duality, that's, that's the key. I think uh, people refer to that as uh, fifth dimensional 5D awareness. But, uh, you know, to to find that point and to be above the the fray of the everyday world. But you, you have to live in the world, too. So it's, it's tricky seeing both sides of it like that. Yeah. And, you know, the practices, you know, mindfulness practices really help. Journaling practices really help. Um, you know, anything that you find that, that is helpful to you here. But for me, those are the two big ones. And so meditation is an opportunity to, to really slow down and create that, that space between stimulus mm. and response, right? So what, mm. what happened? And then what is, then what's the meaning we give to it or what's the action that we want to take? But if we slow down and create more of a space between those two, then we're able to look at it perhaps from that elevated viewpoint. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, given that, What's your take on this pandemic? 
is this a time of opportunity? And if so, how? I, I, I yes, I, I think I think it is. I, I mean, so I the very, too, but... yeah, I mean, the very first thing that I, I thought about. So so it, it would be it would be completely callous to not talk about and think through. You know, there's a lot of people that are suffering through this, whether it's mm -hmm. health and financial or or just, you know, in general, a, a massive amount of fear. And so when, when this first really came down, that was the very first thing that I did in my journal, actually. I called the fear monster. Um, and I let, I, let, I let the fear monster literally have a say. And, and it was really feeling into all of it. It was like, well, okay, well, what, what happens if I get sick? What if there's not, you know, what, what if I'm on my, you know, on my own in the hospital? And, and what happens from there? And what if, what if uh, you know, this completely wipes out my, my business? What if, you know, like literally just going on and on. Uh, what if all you know, the horrible what, what ifs? Exactly, but and you know, instead of sweeping it sweeping it under the rug, but literally, and then feeling into it too, and then I, I then I use a question which one of our our Maverick members gave me, and she's from Denmark, and I love questions, right? Like to me, questions create uh, um, you know beautiful answers, and and the deeper and more meaningful the question, the bigger and and better the answer is, and so her question was, what if up? And I'm like, what the hell does that mean? And she's, and I'm like, is this some weird Danish thing? And she's like, no, you know, everyone always thinks about what's the worst case scenario. And what's, uh -huh. She's like, what, what if up? What if this, you know, so how, how can this be the best thing? And leaning into that. And so that, and then after I had the fear monster talk through pieces, I had, you know, this what if up. And to me, the what if up is what if this is a global, you know, I would call it a cosmic alarm clock. Uh -huh. or, or a, uh, you know, a, a catalyzing moment that really allows us to have the stillness and, and to take a pause, this, um, you know, this really purposeful pause, in fact, of, okay, what matters? What's most important? Mm -hmm. What are we, what are, what are we, you know, what, what are we meant to be doing instead of just a, a constant hamster wheel? And, and, and what is it? So that's, that's what I look at it. And, and as well as I think it's also forced us to look at global institutions from education Absolutely. to finance to health to, you know, you name it, all of them are, I think, up for renewal. Right? Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's really like, what is, you know, what got us here is not going to be the same thing that gets, gets us to the next place. And, yeah. and, and it's a beautiful time because we are in this ascending level of consciousness and moving into the next, hopefully ascending age. It's uh, the time of evolution, definitely. Right, and and it takes you know I, many of my teachers will talk about like a, a a birthing is a messy process, and it's not a uh, it's it, it's we, not we painless. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, and we can't just go to the to the rainbows and the and the unicorns mm -hmm. and the sunshine. Like you have to look at the shadow side, and you have to look at uh, you know, and and this is the thing that you know Jung was so exactly. Uh, prominent at was, I mean, one of the things, I mean, he, he created so many amazing concepts really and, and actually, you know, um, I'm getting goosebumps again, talking about it. So I forgot about to mention it originally was, you know, I have a copy of the red book, the big, huge. So do I, that, I love that book. Yeah. It's such a fat, like you, you can't read that in one sitting. No. It's uh, you just keep going back to it. And that was something that he put out after his death or his family put out after his death because he thought it'd be so strange and so weird. Um, and it, and it would take away from his, um, practical science part. But so I look back in my in my journal and I had drawn a couple pictures from the Red Book. And one of the pictures I drew was from illustration 111. Oh, and, so interesting. and then you know, I didn't pick that one on purpose. Uh, <laughs> and then I wrote underneath it a little cartoon of, of Jung and it says, uh, create your own Red Book. <laughs> that's <laughs> that, great. <laughs> that's what the Cosmic Journal really has been. Wow. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, Jung, everything he created. I mean, he he was he was really a mystic. He was a mystic, but he, yeah, didn't, want, absolutely. he didn't want to be known as that because he no. thought it would change his science part. Because psychology was such a a new you know science. But but that's the way we need to look at things right now. I think mm -hmm. that there's an opportunity for entrepreneurs to be like. So I have a friend who's a shaman, you know, a legit shaman. Uh, for 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 many years, but he came from the advertising world. But he got his apprenticeship in, in Ecuador and so forth. And mm. he says that that entrepreneurs are the new shamans because of 
you have a vision and you bring the vision from from another place but then you have to have your other foot in the ground which is the actual creating of it and so you need to bring that mysticism back in to being i guess a maverick entrepreneur is what i would say you know maverick maverick mystic is that person john perkins by any chance no, but he's good friends of John. Uh, it's uh, it's it's Itzhak Beery. Do you know Itzhak and his work? What's his name? Itzhak Beery. Okay. Uh, so he's, yeah. Hmm. So he's pretty good friends with, with John, and 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 John is also another beautiful bridge. And that's you know you look at we talked about duality. There's there. It, this is a time also of that bridging of duality between. Uh-huh between science and spirituality, between alchemy and, and advertising, between, mm-hmm. uh, you know, be, between the, these things that, that don't seemingly go together, but they really do. And, and it's even more powerful. Um, hmm. Yeah. Wow. This uh, has been Yannick, great. Yannick, I could talk com- to you for hours. Yeah, Yannick. We're coming to the end of our hour <laughs> here, but I have one more question here. Usually at the end of our hour, uh, Nigel, uh, stands up. He usually stays under the table until we're done, and he had just stood up a couple of minutes. Now he's listening, though. He's (laughs) he's he's on the floor. Uh, My last question, though, is that uh, you came up with some predictions for for this year, and uh, could you tell us a little bit about them, and how how has the pandemic messed up your predictions? Or or, how has it confirmed them? them? Yeah, Yeah, so so it's actually for the entire decade. So it's for the 2020s. Oh, okay. yeah, right. 2020. Uh, yeah, so 20, 20 predictions for the transformative 2020s. And uh, I, you know, I, I look at this decade as being one of the most transformative decades that that we've really pretty much ever experienced. And I would say that it's getting it's spot on. And it's and, and this pandemic is, has been, you know, again, forcing us to look at what institutions are, are broken, mm-hmm. uh, a, a.k.a. all of them. And, yeah. <laughs> and and what is it that we can do from a, a higher level of consciousness to 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 really generate something that that is in service for for all? And so part of those predictions are are things like empowered employment that I talked about, uh, mm-hmm. like bringing, bringing in team members that might be looked at as having a disadvantage, but really they they are right. seen as a gift in a, in a new light. And and maybe that's also another way of of transcending this duality of okay, well someone has a quote-unquote disability but really it's not yeah so that's one way um I, I talk about uh businesses having a a core impact and coming out of not from a place of necessity but but actually a true place of, of love and genuine um wanting to serve the, the world and and then also realizing that it's good for business so that's that's part of it and you'll you know you, i think you can see some companies that are that are rising above during this time and others that are mm-hmm. or you know performative is, has become the new word um and, and so what you know what what companies are are in true mission alignment and and which which aren't um i also talk about ways of uh you know one of my favorite predictions is is uh, is uh, the the work in 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 the healthcare space, what really really health and wellness, optimal health and wellness through uh, either plant medicine, through through different ceremonial work, through different mm-hmm. you know just energy work, and and so really you know one of the things I wrote in there is having a corporate shaman, and uh, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> yeah, and so again that bridge of like spirit and yeah, and strategy and so forth. So bring out the mushrooms for everyone. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's it's in a way it's it's a it's a funny joke, but in other other way it's not because it's such a like when it's held in intention and done correctly, mm-hmm. and, and it's not the right path for everyone, right. but it's um, it's incredibly powerful. I mean, these you know the, these plants and fungi have been with us for forever, co-evolving with us. That 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 it, and but that's one way, right? Like to me, there's all these different ways. There's seven point whatever number of billion people out there. And I think there's seven point same number of billion paths back to the exact same spot, which is that yeah. oneness. All right. All right. Yannick. Thank you very much, Yannick. Enjoy right. your church. I want to get your birth info. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just call okay, me back. Your chart. Yeah. Call me back on Skype or my phone. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Rob. Thanks, Trish. So much fun. Thanks, John. Yes, I mean, no problem. Appreciate it. Okay.
for listening to The Mystical Underground. Listen to the podcast at www.themysticalunderground.com. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Follow Trish and Rob on Instagram at Trish and Rob McGregor. Follow us on Twitter at The Mystic Cast. Visit the blog, blog blog.synchrosecrets.com. Visit the book site, phenomena111.com. Send us email, podcast at themysticalunderground.com. And until next week, thank you for listening and stay mystical.